0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. How are we? Right. Welcome. I've already been here. <laughs> I, I thought in this service I'd I'd shout out to Michael, because he usually listens, so I thought I'd say hi to Michael, and his family. Can everybody say hi, Michael? Hi, Michael. <laughs> and I also want to take a minute and just tell you this is actually I'm this is part of my plan. I'm I'm not rabbit trailing already. Um, I want to take just a second and tell you all how much I love this church because such a big part of why I love this church is who I'm looking at right now. And um, I I think we have an amazing church, a church that loves to be together, loves to have hugs and greetings, and and it's actually hard for the announcer to even get up and kind of get attention because people genuinely love each other in this church. It's not just, let's be a friendly church. I mean, this church really does love each other. It's, it's a church of grace and sincerity, and it's a growing church. That nursery is like... I did nursery last week for the first time. That's a wild thing. Uh, fun, sort of. I was the only one who got hurt, so that's good. And, uh, um, but, we, you know, it's just the church is growing. It's so good to see that. Um, I, I love our church because every week we have communion. And it gives us an opportunity to share the wonderful good news of the gospel and to share it clearly and simply, And uh, Matt, as Matt did this morning, he did a good job with that. And uh, I'm so grateful for the gospel and how it's presented. And I'm really grateful to this church. I love this church because this has become very much, maybe it's always been, um, but it seems now that I'm at the age I'm at, maybe I notice it more. This is very much a multicultural, multi. Um, um, uh, generational, thank you. Whoever was helping with that. A multicultural, multi-generational church. And I, I love, I love how uh, there are, there are families that have more than one generation here that that are, are really working on legacy. And, you know, the truth about legacy is you, you, you don't pass legacy on in the next generation. That takes more than one generation to pass on legacy. You can pass on really great things to the next generation, but it's not until they take those things and pass them on to their children that those actually become legacy. And so this is a great church that really has the opportunity to be about legacy and building legacy, and I just love it. So I I just want to say that um, Sandy and I don't always get to be here because of, of our schedule and where we have to be. And um, every time we're home and it's just so wonderful to be greeted and loved by our church and our family and we really do consider this our church and we love all of you. And I was up here today so I got to say that. So, thank you. Um, I'm going to try technology one more time although I just want you to know I may switch over to my paper notes because in the first service this thing wanted to keep going to home and it's because of this fat thumb. Do you see this thumb right here? That's why. But we're going to try it one more time. And, uh, and if not, I'll, I'll go to my notes. Um, this morning, I want to share with you, I, I think, something that uh, will be helpful. I, I pray it will be really an encouragement to your hearts. Um, Christmas is now past us. For some of you, that's really sad. For some of you, that's a big, hearty amen. Amen. Um, for me, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle, although I am planning to take our Christmas tree down, um, just uh, maybe like Monday, because it's like once you get past Christmas, you're kind of past it, you know, it's like, but some people aren't, so I'm okay with that. If you're not, that, that's okay. But uh, uh, as we look toward the new year, one of the things that I'm really challenged by in my life, this is sort of a reflection from a mirror. One of the things I'm challenged by is, is being um, uh, really committed and and being faithful to um evaluating and looking at and reflecting on your life as you look into a new year and i've never been a big believer in resolutions i i probably because i never keep them that's probably why i mean i'm just being honest so if you reflect with that with me you can just give a little a little head nod it'll make me feel like i'm not all alone but uh you know, I think sometimes resolutions can be really challenging because, because we struggle to even keep them. And I've got a blog here written by a friend of mine. His name's Brannon. And he kind of described my thoughts really well, and I wanted to share them with you. He wrote this this week. I have the resolution of a wet noodle. Good start, huh? Anybody there with me? You Don't, don't raise your hand. Um, my sense of resolution is really just a curious mixture of what currently interests me, what I have time for and a lingering sense of guilt over things I know I should be doing. Wow! See all those little low laughs? <laughs> that, they are agreeing with me. Um, I fail every year usually by mid-February I expect it, it's a miserable feeling. His thoughts resolution shouldn't be ideas I have to muscle through things I have to dig deep for Resolutions ought to be more like a prayer in my life. Things that I aspire to become, recognizing my inability to bring about, and amplifying my dependence on God. Amen? I like that. Things I aspire to become, things I recognize my inability to bring about, and amplify my dependence on God. So I have a question What if I could be more courageous and more generous, more selfless, a better listener? more relational, gentle, more discerning, better encourager, better paced, more faithful? What if the attributes and the qualities that sustained me in my life were love and grace and the Holy Spirit and peace and faith and comfort and power and hope and patience and kindness and glory and honor? What if those were all the qualities each day that sustained me? It would be good, wouldn't it? What might really make a difference? I have, I have a consideration for you this year. Instead of more personal goals or, or an outward focus uh, towards something, or maybe even developing a set of life principles, there's a lot of good things you could do coming into the new year. I, my encouragement to you is take a little bit of time to reflect and maybe think about making the two verses that I'm going to talk about for the next few minutes. Verses for 2015. Maybe? I'm going to share them with you. But first I want to tell you something about these two verses. They're very familiar verses. They've probably, you've probably heard most everything I'm about to say about these verses. And while I'm not going to say anything really new about these two verses, my prayer is that you might hear them with a fresh ear and apply them with a renewed heart. So turn with me to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, maybe a purpose for us in 2015 you might sound kind of like this. If I want my life to change and I want my issues to be resolved, And I want my problems to disappear. Now, let me back up for a second. Problems don't really disappear. You know know the problem that you and I have with problems? It's, It's who in our minds are responsible for the problem. If we are responsible for our problems, it's going to be a big struggle. But if God is responsible for our problems, we can live a life more fulfilling. Isn't that true? Okay, Because problems aren't going to go away. There are a lot of problems in this room. There, there, we, we could, there's any number of, of pain and issues and difficulties and struggles. And, and even just to say it that way, almost kind of like just cuts something across the surface of, of what can be some very deep, deep hurts and pains and struggles in life going on right now. But the reality is those things aren't going to go away. Those are going to be struggles for us in 2015 just like some of them were in 2014 and some of them are going to become new in 2015 and maybe a few of them will go away in 2014 but maybe they won't but the key is not that struggles and hardships and heartaches are going to go away it's who are we going to let be in control of them now let me go back if i want my life to change my issues to be resolved and my problems to disappear I must sacrifice myself completely to God. I must live in His Word. I must worship Him unceasingly. And I probably must do the most difficult thing, which is to be used for His goodwill and His work, which means I will do things I don't necessarily want to do, spending time with those that I may not be comfortable with. That's a tall drink of water, isn't it? And it's no wonder that, like he says up here, uh, by February I've failed. That, those are some hard things to do. I, I remember having a conversation with a stranger who was really having trouble trying to, find a, uh, a, ch- trying to find salvation and trying to figure out what his life was supposed to be about. And he, he felt like he was doing everything he could to come to Jesus and, and he felt like everything in his power he was trying, but it wasn't working. And uh, this is a story about a man at a fair, and, and um, it was down in Florida. I'm not going to even tell the whole story, because really, for the sake of time, it's really a little bit of a long story, but he came in to a place where we were sharing the gospel, and he was so angry, because he had been trying most of his adult life, as far as I know, to figure out who Jesus Christ was, and he looked at me, and simply he just said, you're just a bunch of hypocrites and he said it to me a couple times and he was so angry and the reality was this guy had a little track in his pocket that looked very old and very rumpled and he'd had it a long time it looked like and this track was telling him there were all these steps that he had to take in order to be a Christian and to have Christ and to be saved, and to become a follower and a believer in Jesus Christ. And they were steps like, you've got to give up your sin, and you've got to make things right, and you know, you've got to turn away from, from all the bad things that you do. And he just looked at me and would just see. He said, maybe you can do that, but I can't. And I've tried, and I've lost my family, and I've lost my, my, my job, and I, I've lost everything in life. And, and I'm just picking up trash here at the fair because I'm homeless, and I just need food for today. So maybe this Christianity is for you, but it's not for me. Because I can't do these things. And I had the privilege of leading that man to Christ. Because you know what? I I got to sit down with him and, and share with him that all the things he was trying to do to accomplish a payment for sin couldn't pay for his sin. And that only Jesus could do that. And Jesus had already done it. And he did it on the cross of Calvary. And he died and he was buried. And three days later, he rose again. And he paid for that man's sin. And he paid for my sin and your sin and the sin of the world. Amen? The reality of what Jesus Christ did on the cross is a bridge to our walk as Christians. And sometimes we forget that there's not a whole lot we can do without Christ in our Christian walk either. We're pretty good now at saying, hey, I really understand the gospel, and I'm not the one who can save myself. My good works are just filthy rags. But once I become a believer, now I've just got to be a really good person. Well, guess what? That's pretty hard to do. It's a tall drink of water. It's a difficult struggle. It's something that every January maybe we try to do. It's something that maybe is a, something special on your wall in the bathroom and, 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 and it's a particular struggle and maybe it's forgiveness and, and I'm going to really work hard on being more forgiving and try and forgive some people or, or, or maybe it's jealousy or, or, or maybe it's just a bad attitude and you know what you find when you're trying to work on all these things? You're working on one thing and, and then another one comes up and you start working on that one and you forget about the first one you were working on and, and, and so then some other issue comes up in your life and you go, well, I've got to change this. And pretty soon you're just dejected. You know, that's how I saw this man. He, he was one of the most dejected men I'd ever seen. He had lost everything trying to find just one thing. I think there's a lot of dejected Christians in our world today. They struggle because they they don't realize that the reality of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 is I must be willing to walk a journey where I am not in control, but God is. I told you this wouldn't be something new. But boy, do we have to be reminded of it every day, don't we? Because we want to be in control. In fact, I think this is a big issue because if some of us are honest, we make some pretty big life decisions wanting to be in control of things. Sandy and I have been praying for someone in our lives for many years to come to Christ. And you know why this person won't come to Christ? Because they don't want to give control of their life over to somebody else. They can't imagine what life would be like if they couldn't control it. And we keep praying. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is all about love and obedience. It's about God's love, and it's about our obedience. Romans 5 verse 8 says this, but God shows his love toward us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. All the sparky leaders in this room know that verse because, sorry, that's a little bit of a Awana for those of you who aren't in Awana, but that verse gets learned when you're a kindergarten, first or second grader. You know why? Because it's really, really important to understand that God loved us first and he loved us most. And God loves us more than our mom and dad loves us. God, it's, it's hard to imagine how much God loves us. But if you can think about how much my mom and dad loves me, God loves us even so much more. And He loved us first because while we were yet sinners, before we even had a chance to even make a decision as to whether we would receive that wonderful gift of salvation or not, God had already sent His Son to die on the cross and pay for our sin. Well, God calls for our obedience. I had never really studied this verse, but I like this verse in 1 Samuel. It says this in 1 Samuel 15, 22. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold. What does it mean when he says behold? Listen up, right? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. You know what God wants from us? Obedience. I told you this wouldn't be new. God's in control. I'm not. God loved us first and most. God's looking for me to be obedient. Now, if we can put all those and wrap those together in a recipe around verses 1 and 2 of Romans chapter 12, and maybe you put that on the mirror in your bathroom, we might have something that's going to help us reflect on a better year. Because God can help us to sustain all that we're going through and we can put a focus on those two verses how can we do that let's go through the two verses so verse one i appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of god to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to god which is your spiritual worship now i just want to make a couple points on verse one one is the mercies of god we we are talking about the mercies how how many is that singular or plural That's plural, right? We're talking about the mercies of God. Now, what are the mercies of God? Do you know I already told you the mercies of God? Did you hear them? You might not have heard them. I read them earlier. It wasn't a trick. I just read them earlier. Let me read them to you again. It was in this statement. What if love and grace, the Holy Spirit, and peace, and faith, and comfort and power, and hope, and patience, and kindness, and glory, and honor were the qualities that sustained us every day. You know what those are? Those are God's mercies. Now when it says here at the beginning of this verse, I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God, that is not an introduction. But I think sometimes we read that verse that way. I know I do, so I'll speak for myself. I've read it before, it's like, so, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, uh, so this is Paul, by the mercies of God. That's nice, Paul. You always put nice words around what you're saying, you know. By the mercies of God is not a nice introduction. By the mercies of God is the very foundation upon which the entire rest of that verse in verse 2 is played out. We can't ignore it. In fact, it's by the very mercies of God, the divine love, His grace, the Holy Spirit, everything that's wrapped around the gospel, it's by those mercies as they're presented to us and granted to us and applied to us and credited to us, of which, by the way, we do not deserve, is what allows us to carry out that verse. It's His mercies. It's the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. It's, it's the mercy that we don't deserve and, and the grace that we're not justified to have. And it, it's, it's all of those things that God does for us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you see, the same thing that we trust Christ and come to know Him as our Savior because there's nothing we can do to achieve salvation is the very same thing that we can live our Christian walk by. Amen? Amen? Yeah. Yeah. So, mercies of God. Secondly, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is a new kind of sacrifice. It's a new covenant. It's the New Testament, a living sacrifice. So it's not an animal, who is it? Okay. Christ died on the cross. Now, But, but Paul's saying here, who's going to be a living sacrifice? We're going to be a living sacrifice. We're going to sacrifice our lives, living sacrifice, not, not to pay for something. But just just as a a thank you back to God, we're going to live out our lives in a way in this new covenant with Jesus Christ. We don't don't have to sacrifice an animal anymore. Paul says we, through our own lives, can be a sacrifice and be thankful for what God did through His Son, Jesus Christ, in our lives. It's a new kind of sacrifice. We are to place ourselves on that altar. Now, we we don't get on the altar and crawl off. We're not paying for sin That's not what this is saying. This is simply saying that our lives must be a reflection of Jesus Christ and what he did. And so through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live out that life. And he's asking us to be that living sacrifice. To live as Christ, to die as King. Okay. So, then it says, By the mercy of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Holy and acceptable to God according to His work, according to His standards. That's the bar that's being set there, right? It's not our standards and it's not our works. And when we get down and talk about being conformed versus transformed, it really makes sense what it means to be holy and acceptable to God because it's according to His work on the cross and really nothing that I could do but simply His merit and His grace and His mercy. And then I love that this first verse ends, which is your spiritual worship. Spiritual worship is really almost an entire message all on its own, and and you could preach that as a message. But what is spiritual worship? Paul is saying here that everything that we do is worship to God. Everything that we do is worship. And I I don't know about you, but I I grew up in a church um, that that I kind of learned when I was a young kid that worship was kind of what you did right before the preacher got up and preached the message. And worship was something that would like open your heart up for the Word of God, and and it for me in my church it kind of kind of looked like hymns and we always sang three or four verses and 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 I th- there's still churches like that today that, that kind of put that focus on worship before the Word of God is preached, but I in my mind in my heart I believe the Bible is telling us here and Paul's telling us that worship is is to be carried out in our lives, all of our lives is worship, um, we. We are created in the image of God to worship God. And, and by the way, if you don't find it enjoyable to worship God or you think it's a very secluded part of your life, someday when, when we've been glorified and we're in our new bodies in heaven, what are we going to do for all eternity? So we might as well get used to it, right? <laughs> uh, start enjoying it. Amen. Amen. What does that look like day in and day out? I'll give you an example. Cuz I can give you my example cuz I'm up here and you're down there. And my example of worship, you know what, Sandy and I got to worship the Lord last night. And we had all of our all of our seven all of our kids are here, all of our six kids and all of our seven grandkids and they're mostly all here today actually, so I have to be careful what I say. And um and we had all of, our seven, all of our seven grandkids are here somewhere in the building. And, and um, so we, we told our kids if they wanted to have a sibling date, they could go out and go have fun, and me and Nanny would watch all the kids. Okay, this is worship. <laughs> this is, these, these little, now, now our kids think that we were just being nice to them to go on, a, we really we just needed to get them out of the house so we could have fun with the kids. <clears throat> And it was a lot of hard work, as you, as you know, but it really was a lot of fun. And, and, and two of the girls, I was tucking them in bed, um, and they, they looked at me and they said, Pappy, I love you. And I, I said, you know, you, you guys are God's creation. You, you are very, very special to God. And Pappy loves you very much. Now, I have a sense, I know why they loved me a little bit more. Their amour was a little more. Because we did tell him we'd have a special treat. And, and so while, while Nanny was giving all the kids a bath, I took the oldest one with me and we went to Target. And we got a little ice cream. And then on the way out of Target, and she, she must be an expert at Target because she knew sort of where the cookies were. And we went by the cookie aisle and she said, oh, there's Oreos, Pappy. And And it was like, oh, well, we need Oreos because... Anna Lee, which is her sister, she can't eat milk, she can't drink milk or dairy. She said, "Pappy, Oreos don't have dairy, so Anna Lee can eat them." <laughs> I don't know who ate more. But I don't think it was Anna Lee, and it might have been me or I don't know, but anyway, we had a good time. Um, we all have an opportunity for spiritual worship. And I hope you won't limit it to just one component in a corporate setting or one place in your life but realize that that worship is throughout now in verse two in the time that i have do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of god what is good and acceptable and perfect and i want to talk here just about being conformed versus transformed and then the renewal of your mind and um and in in what does it mean to be transformed? And I kind of said this a minute ago, but being transformed, whether it's in the process of receiving Christ or growing in Christ, there is a renewing of the mind that takes place. All right, When, when, when we come to know Christ as Savior and we trust Him, the, the, for the word believe, it's actually the Greek word metanoia, it, it actually means a change of mind. It's where metamorphosis comes from. All right, It actually, it actually means change of mind. And whether someone is trusting Christ as their Savior or growing in Christ, there is a renewing or a transformation that takes place. And that progress of sanctification, which is what that renewing is for the believer, is means to be dying to sin more and more and living to righteousness more and more. Right? Everybody with me? Dying to sin more and more, living to righteousness more and more. Why? So that it's... So that we, we carry that out in our lives until that place when we get to heaven and we're actually glorified. So we've got salvation, sanctification, glorification. Okay? And, and that sanctification process is what we struggle with as believers because so often we think we are going to be in control of that and we need to allow the Holy Spirit to be in control of that for us. The great enemy to this transformation is conformity to this world. Take heed of forming plans for happiness as though it lays in the things of this world which will soon pass away. Do not fall in with the customs of those who walk in the lust of the flesh and mind earthly things. That's a quote by Tozer. You see, you see, whatever whatever the the, the current lusts of the world are, we're influenced by them. And, you know, maybe for some of us growing up when we were younger, we thought, well, the world is out there and the church is in here. But but I tell you, the world very much influences how we do church. Is it not true? It really does. I mean, we, it, it comes in with us, and we have to be so careful here in our church and I'm not talking about the things we do and the things we don't do that's not what I'm talking about I, I'm, talking, I'm talking simply about how we look at salvation how we look at the gospel how we look at the word of God how we look at the truth of God's word because God's word says you know that the truth shall what set us free right Right. That the truth has to be the truth and that's what has to be true here. I'm not talking about like how we sing music or, or, or how we do. Those are, those, those are cultural things that will change with time. But truth must be truth. The great enemy that is conformity. And we live in a world that makes us hard. You know, Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. That's transformation. Secondly, renewal of my mind. If the great enemy of renewal is conformity, um, then how do I renew my mind? And all of us know this, it's by what? The word of God, right? The word of God, Philippians 4, 8 says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I used to have a pastor who used to preach a message, and one of his goals was to see how many times he could preach a message in his life. And I think when he preached this the last time I heard it, he was at like, I was like 400, was it, honey, or something? He preached it a lot of times. And in the title of his message was, As a Man Thinketh. Oh, see, even some of you know it. That might have been my kids. So is he, because they heard it too. As a man thinketh, so is he. But that verse from Proverbs is very true. Proverbs 23, verse 7. As a man thinketh, so is he. The renewing of our mind comes from, from being focused on the word of God and allowing the truth of God's word to play out in our lives. Colossians 3.16 says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. Now, how, how can I apply this, this um, renewing? it was kind of interesting this week. Um, My son Garrett came home and we were sitting at our kitchen table and he said, dad, this table is beautiful. These were his words. I would have just thrown this table away, but it really looks beautiful. Now, what he's talking about is an old table that our daughter was using to do crafts with. And and you know what you do with crafts and And it was already an old table. We'd had this table in Europe and moved it back from Europe with us. This table had been around a while, but I was cheap and didn't want to buy a new kitchen table and we needed a new kitchen table. So Sandy and I took it out and we used things like belt sanders and all kinds of things to rub a whole lot of scratches and faded paint and all kinds of things off of it. And then we repainted all the legs and we put a beautiful new coat of stain and a lot of varnish on top of that. And Garrett was sitting at a table that had been renewed. And it really is pretty. I wish I had a picture of it. I'd show it to you. But I don't. But if you come to my house and have coffee with us, you'll see it. Because it's in our kitchen. And, and Garrett said, Dad, I would have thrown that table away. And I think that's sometimes how we think. But that's not how God thinks. When we're renewed in Christ, you know what God does? He, he, he rubs the scratches of our life off. He rubs the faded paint off. He takes all those problems, all those issues that we have that every year we try to focus on and by February we're frustrated and ready to quit. He takes all those scratches and faded areas in our lives and the struggles that we have every day and the struggles that we have every hour and the hard things that come into our lives and He renews us. And He he doesn't take them away but He gives us the ability to overcome them. He allows us to work through them. Well, I want to end with this. What happens when I struggle and fail? You know what I'd say? Three words. Don't give up. When you're working, when when you're kind of in that issue and you feel like, man, I, I prayed about this and gave it to God this morning I picked it back up by noon, don't give up. When you're working with one issue in your life and someone out brings out another issue in your life and you say, well, I'm really trying to work on this one and now i got to work on this one too, give them both to the Lord. Don't hang on to them. Create your own worry box. I always loved that. My wife always had a worry box. It was when our kids were little and we thought we would had all the big problems in life we were ever going to have. And, and, and we, we would, she would just take those worries and put them in that worry box and put them under her bed, and by doing that, she was letting God have control of those worries. I love that concept. That's what we need to do every day, is give the worries that we have that we want to control and give them to the Lord, but don't give up. Transformation is a lifelong process. You have an old nature in you, and you have a new nature in you, and you aren't going to get rid of the old nature until you get to heaven. So some of the struggles that you have because of your old nature aren't going to go away and only the Lord Jesus Christ can take those and be responsible for them for you. Sanctification is not a static recipe. It is a process that will include good days and bad days. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's the renewal coming out. First John 4.10 says, In this is love, not that we've loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And finally, when you're struggling, know 1 Corinthians 15.58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in what? Vain. Amen? Worship team, come on up. I'm going to pray. Let's sing. Father God, we, we just counted a privilege to be able to serve you, to live our lives in accordance with your word and your will. And Father, as believers in this room, I pray that uh, maybe 2015 might be a little different, that we would Take our focus off of the things that we're trying to do and, and rather allow you to be in control of our lives. And Father, that you would take, take us, mold us, shape us, renew us, and allow through the Holy Spirit for your love and your light to shine out through us. Father, may we be individuals, may we be a church that when others see us, there's something that they desire. There's something that they see in us that's different. And then give us the wonderful opportunity to just share that that is you, that is your love, that is who you are. And uh, Father, help us in our struggles. Help us that you might shine through even our most difficult times. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.